Hi everybody and welcome to this week's Doomray, um, organised with such deep and intimate planning that um, it was decided upon the topic of conversation ooh, four hours ago. <laughs> um, um, so um, I'd like to welcome our regular um, co- I'm just going to call you co-host now, you're not even a guest anymore, uh, Toby Ritter. Wicked promotion time. Promotion score. I think four hours makes it sound like we did plan this quite a lot in advance. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, for for my podcasts, that's quite a lot of planning. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we were trying to think of um, different topics to do uh, this week, and we kind of toed and froed. Um, and then I came up with an idea that may get us horrifically sued for <laughs> um, using lots and lots and lots of soundtracks. So if you never hear from me ever again, it's because I'm rotting in a prison for stealing everybody's soundtracks. But we're not making any money, so we should be fine. Um, but yeah, so basically, um, we've decided to go through our favourite game soundtracks of all time. Um, and this is something that it's funny because... Um, we were watching Indie Game the movie last week, and uh, Phil Fish says something that that I that I always agree with about um, about video games, and that is that video games are kind of the combination of everything that I love: their music, film, art, games—you know, all combined. Um, and I think you know one of the big things for me that is almost more of a kind of nostalgia trip than than playing the games is the sound of games um and you know i'm sure everybody has has that thing when they hear you know the first you know kind of bar of the mario 64 soundtrack that you are just in your bedroom as a kid you know that it's and i think you know there are so many moments in in video game um soundtrack history that have that and it's funny because i always say the dun-dum, 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 from james bond to me is goldeneye the computer game not the james bond soundtrack <laughs> and that <laughs> just shows just how much games you've played yeah exactly <laughs> or how much goldeneye i've played anyway um, um but yeah so you know, there's so there are so many phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal soundtracks. So let's just go with Toby off the top of your head. What's the first kind of standout soundtrack you can think of? Um, I think you've already alluded slightly to the Mario, the the classic Mario theme tune. I think you're talking about one thing that anyone. I think you could probably go less than a bar into that, and anyone who's ever played a video game could probably join in. Yeah. I think in terms of iconic, because it was, you know, very, very early in video game history, mm-hmm. um, and just straight-up catchiness, I think most you'd be hard-pressed to find something that is more well-known than than that. Yeah, and I, th- I think one of the things about it that, that I always feel, I don't know whether it's, it's because I kind of grew up with it, but to me, it is the sound of pure joy and innocence. <laughs> I know, that, I know that sounds strange, but, um, you know, I think kind of, I could never hear that song, well, that tune, and not be happy. Um, mm. And, you know, it, it's funny because I remember watching a documentary on video game history, um, and it had Shigeru Miyamoto um, playing the Mario theme tune on guitar, um, because obviously it was written by him. Mm. Um, and 
it just blew my mind. <laughs> it was just like, you know, this gaming god playing the Mario theme tune on a guitar just completely blew my mind. I mean, is, is it worth... Should we have a listen? I think we, we've got to. For anyone who has been under a rock or has never played a video game before. Or is dead. Or burning in hell. <laughs> <laughs> we watched a Westboro Baptist church. Oh, good. Why does that phrase sound familiar? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I think that's... It's probably seeped in. I might just scream, you're going to burn in hell at everybody at work. Fair enough. <laughs> As I a might, motivational tool. I might cut that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we need. That—that yeah. that is that. If if you, if that doesn't fill your heart with joy, you are dead inside. <laughs> I've got to say the wonderful thing about podcasts, or possibly the negative thing about podcasts, is you couldn't see me dancing then. You couldn't <laughs> see me dancing either, but it's nice to know we both were. <laughs> I've got to say the thing about that theme, like piece of music that I really like, is that you know later versions of Mario games they've all touched back on it, or they've always had that theme song in different mm. you know degrees, sometimes a lot more orchestral. I feel it's at its best in that kind of bitty sound quality. It, that was where it was created, and that's, I think, where it's always going to be for me, is it's always going to be in that nice kind of 8-bit sort of soundtrack kind yeah. of feel. And, uh, you know, I think it's worth mentioning, because <clears throat> in terms of orchestral soundtracks, you know, Nintendo always used to get hated on, because even in kind of the GameCube era, they were stuck with this... Uh, they still used the kind of bit tune and, and kind of you know, um, synthesized music. Mm. And then I remember um, Twilight Princess and Mario Galaxy with these kind of fully orchestrated soundtracks, mm. just blowing people away. Um, and, you know, in fact, I don't, I'm not sure whether Twilight Princess, it wasn't orchestrated. It was Skyward Sword that was um, orchestrated. Um, I think so it's quite I'm, late I'm, on in that they actually shifted over. Yeah, I might I might need to check that. <laughs> but, um, citation needed. Yeah, yeah, citation needed indeed. But um, but no, and, it, and it's that thing of um, like you say, as as incredible as kind of orchestrated, um, you know, mu- music is, and as be- you know, it's that thing of. I think Jeremy Soule's um, Elder Scrolls especially Skyrim soundtrack, is probably the greatest game soundtrack in terms of the entire soundtrack of all mm. time. Um, because it is it is so cinematic and it is so synonymous with that world to me. Yeah, um, that, that initial, when they first did the announcement stuff for yeah. Skyrim, the thing that almost sold it the most to me was that was the Skyrim theme, was that barbarian choir. Yeah, was, yeah. Couldn't not be so excited about almost just that song irregardless of anything else and that really demonstrates how important sound design is and uh, you know the theme music is to a game a lot of people I think it's undervalued by a lot of gamers who are just oh, I want to play a game but then when you come back like you say the things that you years later you'll recognise the soundtrack and you never mm. you possibly never at the time thought you were paying much attention to it mm. but it's, it it's, will get to you yeah and, it, and it's funny because um, you know it's 
I don't know if it's because time hasn't passed, but the modern era of computer games music doesn't seem to have that kind of um, iconic, you know, um, sound that that the eight bit, sixteen bit era music and thirty two bit music, I guess, in some ways. Um, <clears throat> but it's funny because I haven't played Skyrim in probably four or five months, hmm. but I still listen to the soundtrack pretty much daily um no like seriously um it's a good soundtrack and um it's funny because to me it will always have kind of a special place in my heart because um i I, i'm sure everybody knows by now who listens to this podcast that i write a comic um uh called the green men and this was the soundtrack to me writing the green men Mm. um is because i can't listen to music with words when i type um, it was, it, you know, Jeremy Soul is the soundtrack to to my comic, um, and uh, you know it just set the scene so well. And there are a few kind of um, there are a few ones within the Jeremy Soul soundtrack that really stand out that aren't maybe the kind of better known ones. Um, the um, the you know the, there's the kind of um, Sons of Skyrim, which is which is the main theme. Um, which is, you know, the kind of iconic one that you say was, was you know, in, in the initial trailers. Um, but then, you know, or, or Dragonborn, as I think they called it on the album. Um, mm. But, you know, I think the Skyrim atmospheres was as incredible as, as anything on the album, which was yeah. 42 minutes of this soundscape. Um, and, you know, I, I think... The, <laughs> Do you want to play us a clip? Maybe not the entire 42 minutes. But... I will play you a clip of, of uh, the Skyrim atmospheres. Um, it's probably saying. We can probably link most of these into something after the fact if you do want to go and listen to 42 minutes of you know beautiful Skyrim soundscape without playing the game. Yeah, please do. Talking about things like that, ambient soundscape type things, brings up the interesting point of 
you know, designing music for a video game is very, very different to designing music for a, for a film. Mm. Um, and people should rightly so recognise the challenge of creating, because it's very easy, you know, I say very easy, it's relatively easy if you're a very good composer to create a piece of music that is a set length and that you play through once, or if you want to listen to it again, you play through again. The nature of video games is, and obviously in early video games, that was the case. You had looping pieces of soundtrack that were just very catchy, you know, your Mario style, different level mm-hmm. uh, soundtracks. More modern games, you know, with things like Skyrim, you're doing a lot of walking around large open environments. You want the soundtrack to keep you immersed, but you don't want the player to be conscious of when that soundtrack is, is looping, because eventually it will, it will repeat. Mm-hmm. But you end up having to design a game in a very different way. And if you've got uh, a game where your sound is influenced by the actions the player is doing, you know, whether the player is just exploring or whether the player is engaging in combat and you want the, the sound to change and respond to that to give a more immersed feeling, you know, that takes a lot of work. Um, and it's a very different challenge to scoring, you know, a film where you're just, I've got to make a person feel like this at, at this very specific point. And you have to do the same thing in a game, but that specific point is you've no idea when it is because it could be influenced by the player. And that, and that's a really, another thing that I think is taken for granted that, you know, video game composers do a fantastic job. Of. Yeah. And I think, you know, to me, <clears throat> actually the, um, the standout moment, um, for me in, in video gaming in general, of probably the last kind of five or six years for me is, you know, people, people talk about, and the technical achievements of games like Uncharted or The Last of Us or the um, the kind of wonder of, of journey and finding these, these new kind of uh, emotional experiences through indie games. Um, but for me, the standout moment, <clears throat> uh, I remember it really clearly because um, I was working at Blockbusters at the time um, and it was the 10th of November uh, 2011. I think I know where this is going. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I um, I finished my shift at 10 o'clock uh, and, you know, waddled home with my... Um, waddled probably being the operative term. I was very, very tubby then. Um, but with, with uh, Dan and my friend Adam and with copy of Skyrim in hand. And we sat and we played it and it was amazing. Um, and then there was this weird moment where uh, both of them smoked and they both went outside um, for a cigarette. Um, and I was just sitting playing and then the, for the first time, and they hadn't shown this in any screenshots, the Aurora Borealis appeared in the sky and the soundtrack Aurora kicked in and I was just like, and I I have a 50 inch television with surround sound in my tiny little house. (laughs) Um, and I was just blown away and I just remember staring at, for like an entire night cycle until they disappeared I just I just listened to this piece of music and just literally just put my pad down and there's not many games that have ever made me go this is so beautiful I have to put my pad down and just just take it in um so it might be worth I'm gonna play that bit of music now actually wicked
If I'm honest, I'll just probably play that whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) All seven minutes. All seven minutes. It's going to be a longer podcast than usual, guys. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be like (laughs) ten hours long. Um, But yeah, no, and and, you know, that that was was kind of, um, to me, there's... There's not many kind of moments that I describe in in gaming where I I love games and I often find them beautiful, but there's not many times I find them like genuinely awe inspiring. Mm. But I think watching the aurora borealis bouncing off a lake in in Skyrim was was one of those moments, um, and you know I, I think Oblivion had a great soundtrack. Um, and uh, I think it was, I wouldn't say it was anywhere near as iconic though, or as, as you know, I, I can't pull things out as easily with Oblivion and go, that was Oblivion. In the same way that Skyrim soundtrack just was was Skyrim. But I think one of the reasons I, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but it's just it's just you know what what I kind of think is the the soundtrack to Skyrim. I mean, Oblivion is one of these games where the world is very beautiful. But in many ways, um, Skyrim's world is quite bleak, um, and it, it doesn't have that kind of, um, you know, that, that forest in summer kind of. Yeah, it doesn't have that kind of Albion beauty. It's not. It's not. You know, Oblivion's closer to fable. Yes. Um, whereas, whereas Skyrim feels like a real place to me. Um, mm. It feels like somewhere I've explored, and I know, I know the kind of rocky outcrops. Um, you know, and to me, it felt very organic, and the sa- the soundtrack feels very organic of the place. Um, you know, it, it feels very much a byproduct of that world. It doesn't feel like something that was written to enhance that world. It feels like something of that world, and I think that's, you know, that that to me is where that distinction comes in. You know, there is there are so many moments in that soundtrack that are so instantly associable with. You know, not you know, it's it's incredible to to think that a game soundtrack, you know, like if you hear the the kind of boss battle theme from Final Fantasy VII, you which know I that, have right here because that is one like of my that, music. We'll put that one on next. <laughs> but it's uh, but you know, when you when you hear that, you are playing Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. And but you could be in Midgar, you could be in Coral, you could be in Castel Sol, you could be you know anywhere. Um, mm. But the thing that blows my mind more than anything about um, about Skyrim is that I hear that soundtrack and I know where in Skyrim I am. I know what town I'm in, what valley I'm in, what the yeah. weather's doing. Like, that just blows my mind. <laughs> and off, off that point, I'm actually going to slot one piece of music in before we do Final Fantasy VII Battle Theme. Um, and, that, and this is going to be a piece of music from... The original Deus Ex soundtrack. It's number four on the soundtrack, and it's called Unatco. And it's the piece of music you hear every time you enter the Unatco headquarters mm-hmm. uh, through the front entrance. Um, there's a point in the game when you don't, and it, it, things change up a bit. But it's spoilers, it's like you say, it's a, spoilers, it, Toby. Spoilers from a game that came out 13 years ago. I apologize. Yeah, but the one thing I will say is I will defend Deus Ex because Deus Ex is one of those games that if you haven't played it. Just go and play it. Don't read anything about it. Don't get any spoilers. Just play it. And this is a, you know, obviously a long time ago in gaming, the technical complexity of the piece of music is a bit less. It's a bit more kind of bitty, synthesizer style music. 
but it's still really catching. It's so associated with with the place that the soundtrack is, the, the theme is played. Mm. So I'm just going to cue this one up. There you have it. Um, there we go. And and probably later on I'll do some contrasting with with soundtrack stuff from Michael McCann's awesome soundtrack which he did for Human Revolution. Part of playing that game was there were some great bits where they just put lots of little, you know, references and touch back into the the, the original Deus Ex soundtrack. There's a point when you're in um, uh, Hong Kong and you're walking around and there'll be a, a man whistling the original Deus Ex theme. Mm. And when you hear that, it just if you're a fan of the original Deus Ex game and you played it as much as I have, then you hear that, you know, the whole thing, and, and it just makes you go, oh, that's incredible, I love it. <laughs> and, you know, I think that it's funny because it's, it's one thing, you know, you say, me saying about locations, but there is also that thing of um, of soundtracks of levels. Like, I, I touched on Goldeneye earlier, um, and I am going to I am gonna play this piece of music, which... Um, to me, is this is probably the level on the Nintendo 64 that I replayed more than anything else, and is probably a level that I could complete purely through muscle memory. <laughs> um, no vision required, just all so, blindfolded muscle memory, go. Yeah, so we're going to test Toby's computer game uh, soundtrack knowledge, and we're going to go with it. Toby. Oh, this is very difficult. <laughs> I find that unacceptable. That is I, the facility from Goldeneye. I'm gonna. It's no. It's no excuse. The fact Commit that suicide I, now. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna kill yourself. <laughs> I'm gonna go and hang myself, guys. It's, it's been fun these last couple of weeks of podcasting, but I'm afraid I have failed.
You are aware that nobody will take your opinion seriously ever again. <laughs> and no one took my opinion seriously in the first place. So That's true. You've probably not lost much. <laughs> never much to lose. Um, I think this is a good a good time to flick back to those Final Fantasy themes I said I was going to play earlier. And also talking about the uh, when you mentioned earlier about um, you know piece of music like the Mario themes being done in more orchestral style or you know being taken from their original kind of eight bit sort of nature and then being done in a in a new way. I'm actually going to play um, one of Smooth McGrew's covers. He does acapella. If anyone who doesn't know who Smooth McGrew is, he's a YouTuber who does acapella covers of video game music, and he did the Final Fantasy VII battle theme. And it, it's just incredible in a it's way uncanny. that it's, it's weird. It's weirdly exactly like it, but at the same time, incredibly different. It's a much more rich kind of, it, it's really hard to describe. So I won't, I'm just going to play it. stop it there because I was going to keep listening to it indefinitely. Well, the, the one thing I will say is that during that entire thing, I was uh, I was in a battle stance with a blister sword. Wicked. Um, a sword larger than your body itself. Which would take some fucking doing, let's be yeah. honest. You, you saw those characters' arms, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. They, they were buff. Um, <laughs> if very squared and buff. Um, but yeah, no, it's... Uh, it's funny because to me, um, you know, Final Fantasy VII is, I guess, you know, as as a gamer, you know, every every serious gamer adores that game, and I think um, it, it's one of those games that, you know, you talk, you start talking about at the pub, and you know, the the first thing that comes up is, again, spoilers if you haven't played this game, wrong podcast, dude. <laughs> um, but you know the first thing you talk about is did you cry when Ares died and no matter what everybody says yes you did was the answer <laughs> don't lie to me um, but you know and then and then kind of the next thing that comes up is, is always the soundtrack and the boss battle theme um, oh, incredible and One Wing Angel One Wing Angel is a wonderful piece of music um, just every, every single moment in that soundtrack is phenomenal um but I think that can be said for like, seven gets a lot of a lot of you know, focus. I think mainly because of all of the reasons why seven should get a lot of focus. But the Final Fantasy series have got a always have a consistently awesome soundtrack. I mean, that's one benefit from the same person. Always do your soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is a series that has a very clear, you know, uh, reputation for for awesome soundtracks. 
Yeah, uh, and I think the thing is as well is that, um, you know, one of the things that maybe, I, I don't know whether you'd agree with this, Toby, but one of the things that I always think maybe made um, the soundtracks of kind of yesteryear more iconic was the fact that because there was no dialogue, because there was no voice acting, you know, because they were, the, the, you know, the voices were the voices in your head, mm. um, that that the soundtrack was that important, that it, because it was the only thing that... that the only audio. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, one of my favourite games of all time is um, The Ocarina of Time. Um, and... To me, the soundtrack of Ocarina of Time is um, is so Impressive. nostalgic, so beautiful. Like um, all the all the so- it's funny because I saw on um, Etsy they were selling um, rings with the melodies, all the Ocarina melodies on them. Fantastic, um, which was very cool. And they had you know obviously Epina's song and and the funny thing is is that. Again, from muscle memory, I could play every single one of those right now. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I wonder, you know, whether that had anything to do with it. Because to me, I, I agree Final Fantasy uh, 6, 7, 8, and 9 all had incredible soundtracks. And those are, without a doubt, my favourite Final Fantasy games. Yeah, yeah, easily. Um, and then Final Fantasy 10, to me, I couldn't tell you one soundtrack from it. Hmm. Um, and I played that game a lot, but yeah, I, it, I don't know whether it's you know I don't know whether it's because you know you spend a lot more time listening to the dialogue than than kind of getting lost in. And also, I think it's funny because the one thing that's kind of been lost from games for me with voice acting is um, when I used to play Final Fantasy VII, I'd be kind of halfway through some dialogue and I'd be like, "This is clearly a very long conversation." So I'll kind of have 10 minutes rest. Mm. So I'd just walk away from the screen and it wouldn't go anywhere because you had to press, you know, um, X to, to, yeah, to skip through the dialogue. So you just have that soundtrack as background music. Mm. That doesn't happen now. You know, it, you don't you don't get that, um, that kind of back... Well, you know, you used to get BGM volume. You don't get BGM volume anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting because... I, one of the, I mean, I'm not going to go off on too much of a, a tangent here with why I'm no longer the biggest fan of Final Fantasy games when they were so kind of instrumental. I mean, they were the first place. Because we've only got one podcast, that's why. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but one of the things I really, I yeah, I don't like the, vo- like the voice acting. Mm. I like the voices that were in my head. Yeah. yeah. That I could deal with. And I like you say that if you're being distracted by voice acting that is annoying the shit out of you, mm. you're probably not taking in as much of the other audio as you should be. No. Um, and that's a shame, I think, because they're always, you know, they're still putting the work into the audio, uh, the, the, you know, the sound effects and, and the, mm. the music. It's a shame that, yeah, I just can't, I don't hear it. Um, and I and think the thing is, is that, to me, it actually, it denies it denies the characters a certain amount of character. Because you'd have thought that giving a character a voice would give them more character. But one of the reasons that kind of Zidane in Final Fantasy IX or Squall in Final Fantasy VIII or Mm. um, Cloud in Final Fantasy VII, you know, the reason why, to me, 
they were such important protagonists is they had my voice. Mm. Because... And then you related this that much more to them. Yeah, and, you know, and then I don't know about anybody else, but basically what I used to do with Final Fantasy games was I'd call the protagonist my name, and then I'd call all the other people in the game after people I knew. Um, and it just added, like, another level of attachment. Like, for example, um, one of, well, my best friend in the world, who was uh, my best man at my wedding, um, is is a six-foot-five black dude. Um, so he was Barrett. Um, so I played through uh, Final Fantasy VII with my best friend in the game with me. Um, and then one of my other friends, Adam, um, was the spitting image of, uh, of Vincent. So, <laughs> um, I also had a giant cat. No, I didn't really. Um, <laughs> it's weird that you said it because a lot of a lot of games go out of their way now to, to to try and immerse you into the game and you know have you create your own your own avatar and things so that you're you feel like you're that much more taking part in the game. And simply by naming your characters your name yeah. in Final Fantasy, early Final Fantasy games. You almost had the same level of I'm there yeah. without any of this kind of I need to create a character that looks you know like, like <laughs> I don't know anyone who messed around with you know character creation things in like old wrestling games where you'd make a guy who had a waist that was I don't know like a, an inch in diameter and had like an upper torso that was four foot wide. <laughs> it's when you some most people when they get hold of that kind of character customization will just go nuts and create me look stupid. Because you can, whereas just putting your name on something made you feel like you were there. Anyway, but, go th- on. Uh, but, but no, but I think just just to round that up, I think the biggest problem with character creation is it is completely impossible to create a character that looks like you because yeah. you spend so long looking at your own face that you will never create anything that looks like you. And then um, EA did that put your face in the game thing. And it just failed so utterly and so miserably that it made no sense. Um, but, yeah, it is amazing how calling a six-foot blonde dude with spiky hair and a massive sword dressed in leather, Kyle, completely sells me on the on the idea that that, that is me. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it was just stupid stuff, and I'll probably get bullied for this, but... You know, the love interest that always name after the girl I fancied at school or, you know. I think everyone did that. I think you are not. <laughs> yeah, true. This is definitely the right podcast to admit to that. I don't think I'm going to get many, like, hate letters. Um, who writes letters anymore? I'm not going to get any letters. And none of you have my email address. <laughs> um, they can, however, just find me on, on Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter where my name is the exact name of this podcast and just hound me. Um but yeah, so you know, I, I think on that front, um, I feel we should have another piece of music from Final Fantasy VII. Um, so uh, I'll let you. I am going to go with the one. I've got to find it now. I'm going to. I'm going to find the piece of music that I probably listen to more than anything because I remember falling asleep with this in the background. So uh so let's see again a test a test of Toby's geekdom can he identify this piece of music
Go, Toby. Tell me what that is. Uh, was that one of the pieces <clears throat> when you're doing the you're in that kind of the casino y section? Um, oh, you're so close, come on. It was was it the racing in the casino, but not the chocobo racing? You're close. What, uh, was, the, what, gonna... what was the name of the theme park in Final Fantasy VII? Oh God, I'm a horrible person. You are a horrible person. I I had so much mutual respect for you that has subsided. Gold saucer. Yes. There we go. Have you just you have you just googled that? Yes. <laughs> you suck, man. Really? Wow. <laughs> okay then. Well, we're gonna we're gonna reverse this. What piece of music? What what is this from? My next piece of music. Absolutely love it. And Carl's gonna get this, and it's gonna make me feel like shit because I'm rubbish at guessing things. From this, <laughs> you know. Anyway, without you've further got, ado, you've got to give me at least forty seconds worth. Oh, that's fine. It's a three minute thirteen max length clip, but I don't think we got on that one. Okay, I can handle that. <laughs> It's 47 seconds. Do you need any more time? So it's really bad. I genuinely don't know what that is. Would you like me to tell you? Yeah, go for it. Uh, that is the main title theme, so that's not even, you don't even have to get into the game to hear that piece of awesome music, uh, of Metroid Prime from the GameCube, and it was the first uh, Metroid game by Retro Studios where they took Metroid from being a side-scrolling um Shooter game into fully three D first person awesome game. Do you know Um, what's funny? I I played that game and I completed it and I never played it ever again. Really? Yeah. And people talk about how much of a classic it is, and I'm aware of how much of a classic it is. Um, but I kind of played it, loved it, completed it, and just never looked at it ever again. I have this weird thing with Metroid games, and especially with Metroid Fusion, which was on Game Boy Advance, and I had it on Game Boy Advance and an emulator, and I just played it through repeatedly. Like there was no, there wasn't, there was no real incentive to play it more than once. Like it wasn't one of these, oh, there's great replayability or anything. I just played it through over and over and over again, and right. just something about it. And I've had that with a lot of Metroid games. Um, I, I love them, and Metroid Prime, I thought had a, had a really awesome soundtrack. That, mm. You know, it was just so in fitting with the game. Um, and if this video is to be then it was it was copyright two thousand and two, although I don't know what year it was actually released in. Uh, it's got to be around then. I think. And which I find mental because just earlier, yeah, it was two thousand two, seventeenth of November, with Deus Ex being only two years earlier. That's yeah, my yeah. favorite all time. But it looks like crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, whereas Metroid Prime, I look, looking back, I. I Part of it will be the nostalgia, but I remember looking back and thinking that looks incredible. Um, but that's that's what nostalgia goggles will do to you. Yeah, uh, and I think it's worth mentioning that you, you said in that um, about Game Boys. So, so this to me is the soundtrack of a Game Boy. 
If that is not the soundtrack to your Game Boy when you were a child, you were messed up in the head. <laughs> that, to, that to me is is nineteen ninety eight in a nutshell. Well, that to me is the years nineteen ninety six to about two thousand and five in a nutshell. <laughs> um, That's a pretty decent amount of time. <laughs> yeah, no, I, man, I love that game. Um, and yeah, again, you know, a classic example of just putting your name in a game. Yeah, but, you know, and just creating absolute ownership. The, the thing is, though, we say this; it probably helps that I sunk like two hundred hours of my life into that game. <laughs> um, but was um, that because it just had your name in it? Maybe, maybe, probably. Maybe that's a factor, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> probably the fact that it was probably one of the best RPGs of all time. But apart from that, um, yeah, yeah, no, and and it's funny actually because um, the one thing that got me thinking about was. The startup sound of computers. Um, uh, I know that sounds really weird, but to me, like the N sixty four load sound is something really iconic. And um, what I always loved is I, I don't know if if you ever ever knew this, but um, and and stop me if you do. But um, when you booted up the GameCube, there was um, a secret startup sound. Oh, really? Um, the um, Basically, you could, because you know it had the kind of really distinctive, like, um, you know, startup sound. Yes. And then you could hold, I think it was the Z button during startup, and it just had this weird little baby giggling. <laughs> it was like the creepiest thing. Wait there, I'll try, I'll try and... Uh, try and find it. So this was the normal one. Blah. And then there was uh, the creepy baby one. That How creepy was that? So creepy. so creepy. And then... And that was the sound you got if you had four controllers plugged in and held Z on all of them. Who... Who puts that into a startup sound? <laughs> Completely bizarre. Um, Gotta love Nintendo. <laughs> weirdly, the the startup noise, and I I don't know really why this is, but the weirdly the startup noise that of any computer or console that stuck with me the most is actually like the original Power Mac uh, Apple startup noise. Oh that yeah, is that? Yeah, it's way more in my in my head than the startup noise of any video game console, which I find really strange. Um, there's just something about that that weird little noise. Yeah, and then, yeah. And they did it in, like, Warly when they had Warly rebooting it, did the... I can't do that noise in my voice. Um, it was one of those, like, ah, oh, I like that moment. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, um, it's funny, actually, because... Um, yeah, it's... it's Again, it's so weird how like something that simple can kind of trigger nostalgia. Um, and you know the the Game Boy um, startup sound, you know, was a really kind of iconic startup sound as well. Mm. Um, and I think it to me, I, I don't know if it is just because I'm getting older, and obviously things don't don't have that kind of same sense of nostalgia. But it's like I remember having a PlayStation demo disc from PlayStation magazine. Um, ah. And um, I remember, I can't remember what number it was, but it was a blue and white disc, and it had 
um, the the first trailer for the first Metal Gear on it. And I, remember, <laughs> I knew it'd get here at some point. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I hearing that soundtrack and just being like, what? Um, and then it just became so iconic. And then I remember, um, it's a shame Ashley isn't here, man. Ah, oh, I miss him. Um, but um, I remember sitting in DT because... There was a magazine called PSM2, and they had an exclusive. And this was when magazines... I mean, as if this happened, magazines used to come with DVDs. Gather round, kids, and I'll tell you a story. <laughs> um, but PlayStation magazines used to come with, um, with like, DVDs. And I remember I didn't, even have a, I didn't even have a PlayStation 2 at this point. Yeah. But it was, like, Metal Gear 2 exclusive trailer on the DVD. Do you want and me to when, play, I guess two theme song, which I have open in my... One I of my do, own. and then I will tell you the rest of the story. Go. That's just. I'm. I'm assuming we're thinking of the. That was the piece they used also when he was doing the walking along in the rain with the like the punchery type thing yeah. and the, the running and, and the diving onto the ship and. You see, this was the oh. thing. That trailer, like I remember the first time I watched it, and there was him on on the bridge, like hooded up, yeah, smoking his cigarette with like that really beautiful piano piece and the and the the song about the stars, and then he just starts running and it just goes bum bum, and it's like it's Mel Gear game on and man that trailer was so phenomenal yeah like that that soundtrack is, is amazing yeah okay so i think we need to round it up so for the video game hall of fame what's your song um i'm gonna say the deus ex title theme okay do you, you want to play that should we go with it We'll go back to that again. I had a choice with which Deus Ex uh, piece I want to play earlier. This is the main theme. It plays on the it plays on the main screen and it plays during the opening cinematic with Walter Simon. Um, it's fantastic.
it's about half, it. but it keeps going and it's keep, it keeps it. being awesome. Okay, and um, I believe that the single greatest um, video game soundtrack of all time. I'm gonna I'm gonna play out with, and I'm gonna leave it as a surprise even for you. So, I'm gonna say um, this was actually quite a cool show. I enjoyed this. Yeah, um, it was like a weird kind of radio show for video game soundtrack. It was it was Desert Island Discs, but for geeks. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that way, and that's. I'm still waiting. Well, I don't listen to Desert Island Discs very much, but I'd love to hear one where it was, you know, like this. You know, have some someone, but even better, someone who's not in games to come in and go. You know what? Ocarina of Time, that's on my that's on my list, kind of thing. That'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think that that might be something. Right, Ashley, we'll get him on next week, and we'll make him do our, his Desert Island discs of computer games. Nice, let's do it. The only problem is, it'll probably be exactly the same. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it'll just it will end up with Metal Gear. No, um, and and Ch- there, it's worth saying there are so many phenomenal soundtracks we missed out. Uncharted is a brilliant uh, soundtrack. I like three from Bastion. Yeah, um, Ico, all of those, but, but, this to me is just the best, this piece of music means so much to me, I may have it played at my funeral, Um, so I'm going to hit play, um, and I'm going to say, Toby, thank you ever so much. That's quite right, pleasure Uh, being here. And um, and, uh, let's see, let's see what you think of this.
don't give a fuck what you say kills them all. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. It's fucking amazing. You know what? We can put we can put explicit language at the beginning of the podcast. All of the soundtracks just got fucking slayed. Win. <laughs> Gotta say, it's a final point. Um, I fucking love the the Mjolnir mix. You know the guitar remix of that song. Yeah, yeah. it just it does things, and that's from someone who isn't the biggest <laughs> Halo fan. You like chorus? It's a very good piece of music. Well, so I remember when um, when the Halo Three announcement trailer came out, and they just had that piano piece mm. that was this kind of really gentle kind of just bloom, 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 and it was just fucking amazing. Anywho, thank you ever so much. I win. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a competition, but Kyle won. <laughs> I, I win, damn it. Um, but yeah, um, and uh, yeah, again, absolute pleasure having you on again, Tobe, and uh, we'll speak again soon. Good night. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>